0: Today on the NFL Films Podcast. It's the NFL's best season, the postseason. We have wild card questions and we want wild card answers. We'll sort them out with help from Paul Minuski, the showrunner of Wild Card Championship Chase, and Greg
1: Cosell, the guru of NFL films.
0: It's the Talking Wild Card Playoffs edition of the NFL Films Podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Keith. Welcome aboard, everyone.
1: That song, Return to Win, might be the greatest modern era composition by an NFL films composer. There's an air of majesty
0: that fills the room when Return to Win comes on.
2: Just get you fired up. Like, Wait. to do anything, like, what it, irregardless of what we're going to do now, I would be fired up to do it.
1: We have a saying here. It's time to break out the Robidoux. No one else in the world would know what that means. What does that mean, Paul? It's a
0: little geeky. We really want. We could. All right. Yeah, we'll tell them. So around this time of year, when the big games come out, we'll be in a meeting heading into a weekend, and we'll be talking about well, how we're going to how are we going to make sure we we portray the drama of this weekend's games, and somebody will inevitably say. Well, I think we'll need to break out the Robidoux. It's kind of like the, the moment and then like a movie, like when they turn to like to the cop and say, Let's go get him. And like it triggers and then like the action sequence starts. Break out the Robidoux means you you have the license to use the Dave Robidoux, our in-house composer, Dave Robodeau, full orchestral, guns blazing, cinematic
1: score to tell your story of your game that week. The biggest most over the top piece of music you could possibly imagine,
0: and by over the top you mean the epic arm wrestling movie, not like the hyperbolic, <laughs> like sensational cheesiness.
1: Yeah, no, you know the big moment, and I wouldn't go arm wrestling movie. I would go, you know, the 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 guys walking through the mountains in Lord of the Rings. You no, know, over the, the, the John top. John Williams. I just mean over the top as a compliment. That not, was the
2: name of the movie.
1: I know the name <laughs> of the movie. I know the name of the
2: movie. Lincoln Hawk.
1: But I think it does Dave Robidoux a disservice to even to even imply
0: that he said over the top. I
1: I don't want to I don't want to cheapen him. So I wanted to like You did. You cheapened. I cheap. All right, over the top. You cheapened him. You could check the
0: transcript. Who used the
2: phrase? Uh, I I know who used it. And
1: I would further clarify that when Paul says we, what he's talking about is is us, the producers at NFL Films, who this time of year are hard at work on many. End of season productions uh, that that'll that'll pepper uh, your televisions and your devices all through the month of January and into February with recap shows, highlight shows, end of season specials, um, and shows like the one Paul's producing this week, Paul Minusky. Uh And Paul, what is this show? What is
2: it? What is so this is this is called the Wild Card Championship Chase, and it's it's a very interesting show. For what we do, because it's only going to air this Saturday of Wild Card Weekend. It's basically an hour show that is going to preview the entire Wild Card Weekend. All eight games, um, all eight teams, excuse me, in all four games. And that's it. It's going to air on Saturday um, on the 6th at 11 o'clock on ESPN2, and then at 2 o'clock on ABC. It's going to re-air, and then you start your Wild Card games. That's a good window. Wait, that's a good window. 2 p.m., ABC. This
1: Saturday on ABC means you are leading into the pregame show of the first playoff game. That's a good
2: way. That's prime real estate, Paul. It's great. And then the one of the a great thing about our show, I mean, we have a narrator. We have a great narrator. Who's the narrator? J.K. Simmons.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Where Mr. have I seen him before?
2: <laughs> He's never on television. Uh, Mr. Whiplash uh, himself. J.K. Simmons, and then that's it. There's no talking heads, there's no...
1: Yeah, this is not an ordinary, this is not a preview show, this is not a talking heads driven... This is NFL Films Red Meat, right?
2: Yes, this is great music, this is great shots, this is great insight, and uh, what... We're just trying to push on this show. Is we want to teach you something and we want to entertain you. What about sound?
1: Are we gonna have sound? Oh, there's
2: gonna be some sound. Are we gonna have
1: wires. There's gonna be
2: some wires. <laughs> and the fun thing about these year-end
0: shows, I, even for me, I mean, this is the job, my job, every week. But I feel like we get to this time of year, and there's sort of guys or teams or things I've kind of heard about. I know they're happening, but I, I stop and go, wait, how did that happen? Like, why? Are, why are we talking about this guy? Why did this become a story? When did the Jaguars go from? being the team I laughed at last year with their two-tone helmets to the one that sort of punched everybody in the face, not just in September, but all year year long. So that's what these year-end shows are about, and that's what today's show is going to be about. And And for the first segment, with Paul's help, we're going to come up with some of those whys right now. What are we thinking about
1: as the fans? We are going to have a production meeting for the next 10 minutes to figure out what we should
2: talk about with the guru. Well, this to me, the real cool dichotomy of this year's playoffs is the AFC and the NFC. The number one and two seeds. So you have in the AFC, you have these number one and two seeds that are waiting. It's Tom Brady, you know, Mr. Super Bowl, and Ben Roethlisberger, who's also won multiple Super Bowls. And then every other quarterback in the AFC has never won a Super Bowl, and three of them have never been to the playoffs. Then in the NFC, the number one and two seeds...
0: And I would would just interject. Not only have they not, I would say, I'm kind of looking at my list here, these are guys who probably may have the stigma attached to them fairly or not. Well, they can't win Super Bowls anyway. Yeah. They're not Brady. They're not Roethlisberger. Yeah. They're not even, uh, They're not even quote, unquote, Matt Ryan. These are guys you can't win a Super Bowl with. So, you know, what's the big it's deal about It's not even them?
2: can't win a Super Bowl. It's can't win a game. Like Tyrod Taylor was benched this year. Blake Bortles was called to be benched this year. I mean, Mariota's good, but he's, he's been hurt. So those just those three and, guys and Alex Smith's and Alex presumptive
1: Smith. replacement was drafted this year. Alex right. Smith.
2: Who they almost pulled a, a flutie Doug Johnson with. Ladies him. and
1: gentlemen, your AFC playoff <laughs> quarterbacks. But 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 that's an important question because you hear a lot. Um I can't see this guy hoisting Lombardi. You've hear, you yeah. heard that a lot about Case Keenum over the last yeah. couple of months. I can't I just can't see Case Keenum
2: winning the Super Bowl. Well, well, well Why not? That's the flip side is the NFC, the number one and two seeds, are both backups. And then everybody else in the playoffs besides Jared Goff are guys that have either won Super Bowls or lost Super Bowls. So it's
1: it's cool. So this January potentially will go a long way to answering the question, do you need – a Hall of Fame quarterback Oh yeah, to get all the way through January and all the way through the first weekend of February.
0: And there's a couple of guys to me that what's interesting thing is people forget maybe because they haven't won the Super Bowl, really the remarkable careers they had. And it sounds a little silly to say, but the Super Bowl is just that missing piece. And then their whole the whole perception of them changes. And as my two examples, really for me, the biggest ones are Matt Ryan, who I already mentioned. You look at his stats, you look at his longevity, you look at the amount of games he's played, the touchdowns he's thrown. Won a, lot, won a lot of games, won a, won a bunch of playoff games too, but hasn't won the Super Bowl. And Andy Reid is my other guy. Now, I don't know that Andy Reid people regard as the quality of the coach that he has been over the last almost, what, 20 years between Philadelphia and Kansas City. Won a lot of games, been in a lot of games. and, and But for not having that trophy on his shelf, people don't maybe understand what he's accomplished in a the Hall NFL. A Hall of
1: Fame resume missing one piece. Yeah,
2: well, that's a big piece. Yes. Um, just to hit on your Matt Ryan, so one of the segments in our show is going to be about these guys that can they, are they championship quarterbacks, and it's Cam Newton and it's Alex Smith and it's Matt Ryan. How many times do you guys think Matt Ryan threw for more than two touchdown passes this year in a game? He won the MVP last year. How many times did he throw for more than two touchdown passes in a game?
1: I'm going to go with zero.
2: Yeah, I think you want us to figure low,
0: so I'm going to say one. Zero. Wow. Guy he was
2: not great this year. He no. wins the MVP last year, and then this year he never throws from more than two touchdowns. They were missing year. a little something all year, weren't they? Yeah. And they refused to throw to Julio, jo- Julio Jones in the red zone. Julio Jones in the red zone had three red zone targets all year. I'm
0: secretly rooting for a Super Bowl rematch.
2: Oh my God, that'd be uh... Well, and
0: That's the, and, and the dream starts this weekend. And, and it wasn't until about week. Well, I hadn't even entertained that thought. Exactly. Nobody's until... <laughs> ever
1: mentioned that. No.
0: Right. It wasn't until about week twelve. That really would have some juice. Well, he that would have some juice. The way I they could lo- get into that game. The way they lost that Super Bowl last year. They were immediately consigned to the dustbin of Super Bowl also rants who were going to fall apart. Right? They can't recover. Well, from Well, pre-
1: yeah. Nobody, nobody could possibly recover from that.
0: No. Then, then they have a slow, arguably kind of a slow September, yeah. and it and it becomes clear pretty quickly that the division's going to be really difficult. So, I almost feel like it was never discussed. And then they played that game against the Saints late in the season. They wore the great red on red. It was uniforms. the Thursday night game. Yeah, and they won that game. And I, I, for some reason, it popped in my head like, wait a minute. What if this is the, the collision that we didn't see coming and it happens? And it'd be, and it'd be pretty good based on the... And we have saw some of those redemption stories in sp- other sports the last couple of years between Alabama Clemson, yeah. uh, Warriors, Cavs. If the Falcons yeah. can come back and try and slay the dragon that will otherwise haunt them for the rest of their lives, it'd be a pretty big game for us. I mean, if
2: they had the lead in the fourth quarter of a rematch Super Bowl, that would be the longest quarter ever if you were a supporter of the Falcons or Falcons oh, players. Oh like, how many times did you look at the clock? All right, so
1: we've got some good – so quarterbacks, obviously. Um, Alex Smith and Andy Reid in Kansas City of great interest this weekend. Um, The Falcons. Um, I I would like to know – I would like to ask the question, who – what player could kind of make his legend this month, like the a la Larry Fitzgerald in 08 or Von Miller two years ago? Just – Dominate because it's a little bit wide open. Aside from Brady, Roethlisberger, and some big and breeze and a couple big quarterbacks in the NFC, there's not the Titanic teams looming over the field. There could be a player who runs rough shot and just carries his team to the Super Bowl. Here, do you have a pro- prohibitive sort of favorite? You, you, I do. Who? Who is it? Aaron Donald. Wow, that's good.
2: I just love the fact that you posed that question because our main title song for wild card championship chase is a song called Legend by a band called The Score. So that whole theme of who's, it to us, it's wide open this week. And there are going to be guys that really take the reins. I always think about Steve Smith. In 2003, when oh, he, just was, he destroyed, just destroyed the, NFL. the NFL. destroyed the playoffs. Or Larry Fitzgerald. And carried that team to the Super Bowl. And so. carried them to the Super Bowl. So, And it could be offense or defense. I really like Aaron Donald. To me, a guy like Luke Kuechly is a guy that could sort of pick up the Panthers and take them, despite any of their shortcomings on offense, take them to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's interesting that we both think about defensive players, though, too.
1: Well, we have a couple of genuinely dominant defenses here that aren't getting a lot of hype. The Jacksonville defense, by all appearances, is a legitimately dominant defense. That's yeah. my cre-
0: question for Greg, for Greg. Why? Why the Jaguars? Right. Well, yeah.
1: We mentioned Calais Campbell. They have a lot of well, first. They've rounders. got that uh, Jalen Ramsey is 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 on its way to, to possibly being the best corner in football for
2: the next decade. Yep. And they signed AJ Bouye around uh from the Texas. He's car. amazing. Corner. Six picks, right? Yeah.
1: I got a few quick hitters. <laughs> best team in the trenches, both yeah. sides of the ball. Because yeah. I think none of us like the, we got a chance to bring in the guy who watches more tape than anyone in America. Let's find out. Let's ask, let's ask the questions that that are not going to get answered anywhere else. you you can hear about quarterbacks anywhere. Best teams in the trenches. Yeah. One injury that could catch up to a team that we're not talking about. This is the time to get some answers. I think our production meeting is over. Let's bring in the man. Let's bring in the guru. Here he comes. Greg Cosell, producer, talent and of the matchup show. On ESPN, which heads into its prime season this month, you uh, hard at it this week, Greg. I imagine you've been watching a little bit of tape.
3: You know, cause I really like these playoff weeks because you can really find focus, um, and that's what makes the playoffs so much fun. Is because you have now we have eight teams, obviously, and you can really look hard at eight teams and it's uh, whereas during the regular season, I try to watch as many games as I possibly can. Now I'm still watching some games from Week 17, obviously, because a number of them mattered, but you're really looking more at what you've done all season and find focusing on particular things because you have a really good feel for what teams' tactics and schemes are.
1: What are you most excited to see this weekend, the first weekend of the playoffs? What has got you really, really fired up? (laughs) <laughs> um, well, there's got to be, like, yeah. you got four games. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's got to be one that you're kind of really I, I,
3: intrigued by. Greg's
1: a fan, too,
0: folks. Yeah. He's not yeah. just yeah. a, yeah. a tape-crunching machine. If you, could
1: wa-
3: if you could only watch one of these four games. I am really intrigued by Atlanta and the Rams. Just because I know Atlanta has been ideally a disappointment for some, coming off being a, in, in the Super Bowl a year ago. Uh, but the thing about Atlanta is they have a lot of talented players. And so in in a game where you have talented players, it always makes it potentially interesting. I imagine most people are viewing the Rams as the favorite. They're playing in L.A. But, you know, I'm real anxious to see how Wade Phillips decides to match up to Julio Jones. I think that's going to be really fascinating. We actually went back and took a look last year because Atlanta played in Denver last year when Wade – was the D coordinator in Denver, and obviously had three really good corners. They don't have three really good corners with the Rams. And he didn't do anything special at all. He, whoever who had him, whether it was Tlaib, whether it was Harris, or whether it was Roby, they matched up because they played a lot of man. I don't think that'll happen this week. I think they could travel Maine Johnson with him the entire game because I don't think they're going to leave one of their other two corners if it's nickel. I don't think they're going to leave one of those guys matched man-to-man on Julio Jones.
1: Is Tremaine Johnson on Julio Jones a matchup they can
3: they can win? Well, it's a matchup they'll live with because Tremaine Johnson is 6'2", about 210, and he's considered a quality corner, and he is, uh, and the size is critical because the problem for them is they start Troy Hill at the other outside corner, and he's about 5'9", 5'10". And their nickel slot corner is nickel Roby, who's also about five nine. So it'll be Tremaine Johnson.
1: Tremaine Johnson. We were talking about this before you came. You know these these players that that m- most people don't know about, um, who who could rise up and make a big difference. Tremaine Johnson is a good player. I mean, I think I think serious football fans would would probably he's say they know in a who front he is. Corner. Yeah. yeah, but he's a talented guy. He is big, but this is a chance on this stage for him to. Alter uh, the um, football n- America's perception of him. Well,
0: and he doesn't have. Let's here's a name, a cornerback name, Ricky Manning Jr. He he wasn't the best cornerback in football, but that playoffs he was a great. He had three play- picks against the Eagles, as I recall. 2000, that <laughs> 2003. Yeah. and he had one That's against right. one. Didn't he have one against the the Rams the week before?
3: He might have, but he definitely had three against the Eagles. So
0: yeah. to your point, cause this is a this is the time of year where guys emerge, and and sometimes they stay on that stage. Sometimes they just have this, this great you have moment. A moment. Another guy in the Rams defense, we got to ask Greg about though. you were talking yeah. about before. Aaron Donald, a guy that, again, over the years, he's been good enough long enough that he's more than just a guy that football geeks know. But I still don't think the average football fan, the mainstream, sort of understands and appreciates what Aaron Donald is, both to his team and on the league levels. He a guy that can sort of maybe take over these playoffs and emerge and, and pop, pop into that next stratosphere? Sure.
3: I mean, to me, he already is there, but he hasn't had the opportunity in, a, in the playoffs yet, obviously. Uh, you know, it's funny, when Wade Phillips came into uh, the Rams to become their D coordinator, there was a lot of talk about, oh, this isn't good for Aaron Donald because Wade's a 3-4 guy. But the thing about Wade is his 3-4 is really a 4-3. It's just that he has three guys with their hand on the ground and four guys standing up, but it's a 4-3 in terms of gap concepts. So when they're in their base defense... Aaron Donald is really a, a weak side defensive tackle, three-technique defensive tackle who plays in the gap, just like he would in a 4-3. So it's the same thing. And therefore, he's he's able to do what he, he's done in his first couple of years because the defense is, is very similar.
2: Just wanted to ask you a question. I know you do a lot of stuff with the draft and draft prep and right. college guys. So in this Wild Card Chase show that is going to air on Saturday – one of our segments is about rookie running backs this year. Yeah. And it's the first time in NFL history that four rookie running backs had over 1,000 yards, uh, total yards, and wow, four of these guys even have big roles on playoff teams.
3: And who are the four, Paul?
2: We're talking about uh, Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. Well, he
3: didn't get 1,000 yards. You're talking about? Total yards. Oh. 1,000 uh, yards, yards from scrimmage. Yards from oh, so then it's Kamara, McCaffrey, Fournette, and Hunt. And Hunt. Yeah. But
2: four guys. So these four guys – Did you expect... Marcel's not looking at notes, by the way. No, he's not. I am. He's not. Uh, Did you expect these four guys coming in this year to have this sort of impact on playoff teams?
3: Fournette, for sure, because of who drafted him and why he was drafted. Assuming health, I knew Fournette would carry 250 times, give or take, if not more. Um, McCaffrey, yes, because also of where he was drafted. He was not drafted with the eighth pick to play 10 snaps a game. So I didn't expect him to gain 1,000 yards rushing. But McCaffrey, I remember being on on the uh, floor of the uh, Dome in Indianapolis at the Combine and watching him run routes, and he ran routes just so beautifully with such precision. And I thought, this guy will play a lot, and I didn't know how many catches or yards, but I knew he'd be a significant part of the passing game, and that's where he gained most of his yards in the passing game. Kamara was a guy I loved on tape. I thought Kamara—to me, Kamara and and Dalvin Cook were very, very similar. The difference being, Cook was a volume runner in college and Kamara was not. But Kamara's bigger than Dalvin Cook and actually is stronger in his lower body. So Kamara, I loved him coming out. And when he got drafted by the Saints, I thought that was a a great spot. I didn't expect him to gain as many yards rushing, but I knew he'd be— really important to them as a receiver. And then Kareem Hunt, another guy I really liked on tape, but I, I could never have predicted him being a true feature foundation back as a rookie. So he would be the surprise in terms of the yardage, but I liked the player a lot.
2: And Do you think this changes anything in the NFL as far as like in the last couple of years people were going away from you know, how important a back is to your offense to seeing these four guys now in
3: major roles in a playoff team? That's a great conversation, and there's probably no right or wrong answer. Um, I think it's always easy to say about backs that you can plug anybody in, and there's always examples of that. It's just like when people say you can get a great player in the fifth round because great players have come in the fifth round. But – you know, I'm not necessarily a believer that you can plug any back in. There's certain kinds of backs. Um, can you plug a lot of backs in if you if you have a running game that's a little bit more by committee? Yeah, I don't think that there's 25 Ezekiel Elliotts. I don't think that there's you know 25 Adrian Petersons. Um, we'll see how Leonard Fournette goes. I don't think there's 25 Leonard Fournettes either. Uh, Kareem Hunt. You know, I'm not going to say there's 25 of those guys. Uh, you know, we'll see. You, you know, the book would be out on that for me. But I'm not a believer that you can just plug anybody in and have a great running game.
0: So you mentioned Fournette being drafted into a system that helped you envision how he might have success. Let's talk a little bit about the system and the philosophy that's at work in right. Jacksonville this year that helped them have the season that they did. Because the question I asked, and it is, you know, by my own admission, a 30,000-foot ignorance-driven question
3: well, well, come on, Paul. Why, give yourself a little no, more credit. Why, than that.
0: why the Jaguars, Greg? Why were they so good this year? Just, I mean, this was a team that, yeah, Gus Bradley was a defensive coach that was there the last couple of years, but didn't gain enough traction to keep his job. In one year, they've come in and essentially become arguably the best. I think they gave up – the only team that gave up fewer points than them were the Vikings this year, the number two scoring defense in the NFL. Why were the Jaguars well, so so effective?
3: You know – it's a tried and true profile to make the playoffs. Whether you can go deep in the playoffs with that is is questionable. But there's no question that that profile of run the ball, play really good defense, ideally not have your quarterback turn it over. I mean, Bortles, for many, the narrative's been already written, so no matter what you say, it, people are going to say he stinks. But he didn't turn it over a lot this year for the most part. Uh, I think he had two games where he threw two or three picks in each of those games, but I think overall he only threw 12 or 13. So, it's, it's again, it's cliched but true. Run the ball, play good defense, don't have your quarterback lose games. You can make the playoffs, particularly in division. That was a relatively weak division this year, so that's a tried-and-true profile.
1: Well, two questions to spin off of that. One we'll get to in a second with quarterbacks. The other, the Jaguars' defense, is it good enough – to make one of those defense-driven runs all the way to the Super Bowl the way the Broncos did two years ago with an aging, aging, and mostly
3: ineffective Peyton Manning? On paper, yes, because they're really good at all three levels of their defense. So, yes, uh, whether it happens will remains to be seen. But they can rush the quarterback. Their linebackers, particularly – Let's talk nickel because teams play in their nickel package an awful lot.
0: Meaning an extra defensive back. Meaning
3: five defensive backs. And they're a nickel team. They don't play dime with six. So they have Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, two great, great athletes with sideline-to-sideline speed and range. So in today's NFL, those kinds of linebackers are important. They have two corners in Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye who can play man-to-man and and are good at it. it and and again they're not a, a 90% man to man defense no one is but they play man and a lot of zone concepts end up being man outside the numbers anyway so they can line up and they can play man coverage and in Ramsey they have a corner if they feel it's necessary depending on the nature of the opponent they can make him a matchup corner and he can line up and travel with any number one, if they feel they need to do that.
1: And is Ramsey the kind of player who has a chance to be great? You know, one of these yes. eight years in a row all pro yes. Patrick Peterson types? Yes,
3: he do, he is. He's he's that kind of guy. And their safeties are probably not big names, Tayshawn Gibson and Barry Church. People will know Church because he spent time in Dallas, but Tayshawn Gibson came from Cleveland, and was a really good free safety in Cleveland. But his role has expanded dramatically in Jacksonville. He now plays much more in the box. He matches up to tight ends, man-to-man. So they have a really good secondary. And they have a a pass rusher uh, who a lot of people probably don't know about named Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe, who came from the University of Maryland, who's Minoski's pumping his he's fist. A,
2: I, I was silently pumping my fist. I was going to say he came from the University of Maryland. Yeah, Hashtag it Terp power. He's
3: a Terp. Why terp. didn't
1: you
2: mention him in our production meeting, Minoski? Hashtag he's a Terp. God, he's he's so far and in the weeds he can't yeah. even. He's, just, a,
3: he's a really good pass rusher. And uh, they bring Calais Campbell inside when they go to their their pass nickel. And he he's still a really good pass rusher inside. And now they have Marcel Darius who's a really good player. So, no, all three levels of their defense can be potentially dominant, particularly in their nickel.
0: So, Keith, I ask a simple question. It's really a simple answer. They have really
1: good players uh, on the Jaguars' I defense. thought you were going to ask Darius or Darius. Well, they, it, oh.
3: it, it's funny because they that you say that, is they don't blitz a lot.
2: Because uh, they don't have
3: to. No, they're not a high-percentage blitz team, but – when they do blitz, they're really good at it. I think they only blitz something like sixteen percent of quarterback dropbacks. What's average? Like what's normal? Like what's normal? Uh, probably twenty-eight, twenty-nine in the NFL. So almost du- yeah. closer to double. But I believe thirty percent of their sacks come off blitz. So they only blitz 16% of quarterback dropbacks, but about 30% of their sacks come from blitz. And
2: you mentioned the Broncos team from two years ago, Malik Jackson, who's on that oh, defensive he, line. Oh, yeah. He's also on the Jaguars. Yeah,
3: field, I almost so. forgot about him, and he's a very good player, he's too. Good player. All right, so the
1: other end of the spectrum with that team, which was our, you already mentioned, is Blake Bortles, who is one of many quarterbacks in this postseason who have never proven themselves or come close to proving right. themselves on a stage like this. We only have one quarterback playing this weekend who has won a Super Bowl, Drew Brees, and only one other who's been to a Super Bowl. Two. No, two. Ryan and Newton. Oh, right. I forgot about it. All right. So we have the NFC South quarterbacks, right. essentially. Right. And then we have five other guys right. who, well, Alex Smith has been to a championship game. Right. And very close to the Super
3: Bowl with four manners. You know, l- let's talk about Alex Smith for a moment. Let's do. Paul and I had this conversation a couple of days ago, and it was kind of a fascinating conversation. Open my eyes. Yeah. Alex Smith, since 2011, when he really became a full-time starter, okay, that was in San Francisco, has won 69% of his starts. That's pretty good, don't you think? But I thought you're a guy who well, well, doesn't no. put a lot of stock in wins. No, it's... We're just starting the conversation. Ah. Uh, Build a case. He's building Uh, a case. case. Did did, did you interrupt the professor in in the first two minutes of the class? I kind of did that. I did that You probably did that. I did that a lot. You probably did that. That's why you ended up here. (laughs) (laughs) We're just starting the conversation. Proceed. So here's a guy that's won 69% of his starts. Now, we constantly hear how important the quarterback is. It's a quarterback league, right? So we hear automatically when certain guys win, they're automatically their winners. That's what we hear. No one has really ever said that about Alex Smith. Would you say that's fair? No one really thinks about him like that.
2: No, they wanted him to not even start the first game of the season this Correct. year. Correct. He's a so, game manager at right, best, right? right.
3: Wow. Now, a lot of people forget about a playoff game he had a number of years ago. I forget what year, but they lost 45-44 to the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis when he threw for close to 400 yards, four incredible. touchdowns they and no a turnovers. Huge lead, right uh the defense yeah they yeah, blew yeah. a huge lead to Andrew yeah. Luck yeah.
1: very early in Andrew Luck's career yeah
3: and again i'm not sitting here telling you alex smith is tom brady that's not the point but i always find it interesting when people it, it's almost as if you want to have it both ways they talk about the quarterback winning games but yet when alex smith wins games it's because of everybody else not because of alex smith it's just an odd it's it's an odd and he'll conversation be
2: out of a job by more, all accounts, more than likely after won't this season, he will be the Chiefs' quarterback. For Correct. Him.
3: For the second, but he'll start somewhere in the league next year. For the year. second
1: time, his replacement was drafted while he was in charge of a playoff team. This Correct. happened with Colin Kaepernick, and he likewise had performed brilliantly in a playoff game against the saints when he was with the 49ers An epic playoff
0: that's game. right and a game
3: they won yes, when he hit uh, a touchdown to vernon davis yes. with oh, what was, less than a minute or yeah. so to go Incredible! What's, what school did league, well, we know he went to maryland, maryland. That's two, <laughs> alex, yeah.
1: alex smith has been a good playoff quarterback
3: that's well, correct
0: it's the albatross of and we talked about this greg the the high draft pick And then he went a few years, and he was on a poor team in San Francisco. So within the first four years, he didn't win a Super Bowl. And so, again, to Greg's point, the story got written about Alex Smith. And really, and this is the power of the playoffs, the only thing that can undo that is a Super Bowl win. At so, least getting to a Super. Well, Bowl. he'd have
3: to get to a Super Bowl. And again, whether he does or not, who, who can answer getting, that? Getting to
1: a Super Bowl isn't even it because if you you can get to a Super Bowl and then fall flat on your face there and throw right. four picks, right. And, ah. and, right? and it's even it's like it's he didn't even, even have, worse. Yeah, it's right. even worse. Right. He would have to win a Super Bowl, Flacco style, right? To, for 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 him to vault to a
3: different national. There, right. are, there what are, are people the... who
0: put Cam Newton in that category. You just not not that he fell flat on his face, but. Well, he did. He
3: didn't on the one play. He's another fascinating conversation. Cam Newton is a guy who's been to a Super Bowl. He's obviously a big physical talent. He's now... MVP. He was an MVP. He was an MVP. Uh, This year, he's coming... By the way, he's coming off a year a year ago when he had his worst year in the league following his, his best year, the Super Bowl season. This year, he ended this season in seven of his last nine games. He did not throw for 200 yards passing. And yet he's reached a level in terms of general conversation where he's viewed as a great, great player. Wouldn't you say that's true? Maybe. With mostly,
1: like a dominant force, but maybe sometimes inconsistent at the the, the highest level quarterback stuff. But
3: they've made a a conscious decision, which is very rare in the NFL, and they've made it for a reason, I'm sure, but they've made a decision to have their offense— very much run through him by design in the run game. Okay, he's not a scrambler per se. He can do that on occasion. But they, by design, feature him tremendously in the run game where he... You know, obviously doesn't carry it every time, but he carries it a lot by design, whether it's off zone read concepts, whether it's off speed option, whether it's quarterback draw, quarterback power, quarterback sweep. He is a foundation part of their run game. Do they do that to offset weaknesses or to highlight strengths? Well, that's... I've always believed that you can... That coaches tell you what they feel about their players by how they utilize them. So... Why do they do this, and why does he not throw a lot of passes for the most part? Because he's not the most accurate passer. Because he's not a consistent week-to-week proposition as a passer.
0: Right, and the value proposition is it's better, you have a better chance
3: to succeed with him doing X, which is run, right. then throw, which is Y. And for the most part, they have a good defense. Uh, their defense at times... Uh, has some poor performances, but for the most part, it's a, it's a higher-level defense.
0: Has the presence of McCaffrey impacted uh, Newton's passing passing game at all?
3: His numbers aren't any better. I mean, McCaffrey's caught more balls. Now, then you get into the discussion, and it's a valid one. Uh, you could have the same discussion theoretically about Blake Bortles, but they don't have much in the way of wideouts right now. They don't have that true number one outside-the-numbers receiver. Devin Funches is a big guy he can make some tough catches but he's not really a true outside the numbers guy that's a
1: curious decision middle of the season to trade calvin Benjamin. To trade him away
3: yeah and and I'm sure there's a lot more to that than we right. know about right um but yeah they they obviously made that trade and uh kind of became their de facto number one even though he doesn't really fit that role. They're a team that plays a lot with multiple tight ends, certainly losing Greg Olson this year uh, for much of the season has been a big factor because he's kind of Newton's guy, but uh, he, had, he had Greg Olson last year and he didn't uh, do particularly well throwing the football.
1: Another quarterback that, of the team we have not yet mentioned. I don't think we've mentioned this team today at all. Marcus Mariota.
3: Okay. That, that's a fascinating conversation because they're a team with Mike Malarkey that plays a certain way, a way that for the most part would not be viewed as the most popular way to play in the league. They line up a lot with two and even three tight ends. They run the football. Uh, the problem is they've run it poorly all season long particularly out of multiple tight end sets. Uh, I would argue, based on film study, you, let's put it this way, you could easily make the argument based on film study that they're playing to their weaknesses because their O-line, other than Taylor Lewan, is not an athletic offensive line. Their two backs, and now Murray is hurt, we'll see if he returns, Murray and Henry are not very good at this point. Murray, probably at the end of his career, Henry's not this guy. They're not very good confined space runners. They can't create yards in confined space. So to me, that's not the strength of their offense. That now becomes a philosophy thing. To me, the strength arguably would be a quarterback who is a consensus top pick. Everybody would have taken Mariota there. They didn't reach for Mariota, who's a... Clearly more comfortable in the spread. Clearly more comfortable with multiple wide receivers on the field, which I think is the strength of their offense. A really good receiving tight end in Delaney Walker, who can line up anywhere. They've done a little more of this in recent weeks, but that's not been their philosophical foundation.
2: But they have good players. Like, there are some guys on that team that nobody knows about, like Drell Casey. They or... have,
3: their defense, by the way, they're fifth in the league in sacks. A lot of people are probably not aware of that. They blitz a lot. They play a ton of man coverage. They have Jarrell Casey. They've got Arakpo, who's a good player. A guy who's had a great year, who's been in the league a long time, and when I say a great year, he's had a great year, is Wesley Woodyard. He's had a really, really good season. And who is Wesley Woodyard? He's a linebacker. He came out of Kentucky maybe 12 years ago. The first part of his career, he played only in nickel in Denver and was really good at it. And many, including myself, thought that that's what he was, a nickel player because he might weigh 225 pounds. And then he came to Tennessee, and the last number of years, he's been a, more of a full-time guy. And this year, he's had his best year. He's been an impactful linebacker.
1: I smell the magic of Dick LeBeau. Uh, Pittsburgh. Linebacker. So
2: what? who would be the making, biggest? Making linebackers for decades. The biggest upset
3: to you this weekend would be? would be what you know i i might say tennessee only because they've so struggled to score and i i unless i'm wrong and we know kansas city has had times some some games where they have not put up a lot of points um i did look at the long range forecast in kansas city for saturday it's supposed to be nice two. i just did too
1: i just did 37 37 and, and sunny. Sunny. 37, 37 and sunny. 37 and sunny. That's our only potential weather game.
3: And and I'm, I was happy to see that because I'm not a big fan of weather games. Wow. You know, but anyway.
2: So you think Tennessee, Buffalo's got a better chance to beat Jacksonville than Tennessee does to beat Kansas City?
3: I would, I would say yes, only because I think Jacksonville right now over these last two, three games, their offense has really, really struggled. And that game – could be one of those low scoring games where in the third and fourth quarter one play or two plays could be the difference.
1: Buffalo let's, without potentially its best player. Could, yeah, yeah. Let's And, talk that, about and him.
3: that's that's clearly an issue and who know, you know, they're saying now he could play that could just be the, the chatter leading up to games. <laughs> You know, who knows? It's I mean, a shame. He's uh, one of those yeah,
0: guys that could... I don't think he's playing. He could have been one of those emergence guys to me. A guy that I don't know... He is so good. ...has broken year. through, again, a pick... has got 10,000 yards. 10,000 yeah. yards. I mean, that's the threshold for me. It's like, that's a legit... That's well, a let's legit put it this career, way. Yeah.
3: I think if he doesn't play, I don't really see that changing their approach dramatically. Why? Well, isn't he like a third of their offense? Or Yeah, I'm talking about philosophical approach. I'm not talking about production approach. I mean, it could change their production approach. But, Paul, I don't think that all of a sudden, because of what they have at quarterback and a receiver, they're going to say, you know what, we're going to drop back 45 times today. But I they, don't think they're going to do that.
0: They have to grit their teeth and try and run the ball with different personnel. Well, here's
3: what I think you're going to see if he doesn't play. I think you'll see, because it's the playoffs and theoretically – there's only three or four games. I mean, look, they're thinking Super Bowl like every team. They're right. in the playoffs. I think Tyrod Taylor will be a much bigger part of their running game this week by design. There'll be more read option. There'll be more, you know, because, hey, there's, there's at most four games. You know, he's not built to do that for 16 games, right. but with four games. I remember years ago, and I forget what he – I think he was with Tampa. Was it Warwick Dunn? Late in the season, obviously, he's a runner, not a quarterback, but he was a smaller guy. And late in the season, they just committed to literally giving him the ball like 25, 30 times for six weeks in a row. And you could do that for six weeks in a row. You probably couldn't do it for 16 weeks. It's almost like pitching staffs yeah. in October. Yeah. You can, right. you can and, use
1: Clayton Kershaw differently in October than you're going to use him in April right. May. the Indians' and... bullpen. That's, right. that's what you're making me think
0: you know, and
3: And the reason I also say that about Taylor is because, to me, Jacksonville is a fast-flow reactive defense. You, You have speed. You have range. You have guys that run hard. So what you want to do is you want to put them in conflict. You want to really have to make them play against their instincts. You want to have to make them use their eyes to sort of see and digest rather than just go. And a lot of option stuff, that's what it does. It causes stress and conflict, particularly for second-level defenders. So I think that you're going to see Taylor, if McCoy is either limited or can't go at all, I think Taylor will be a bigger part of their run game.
2: Which is amazing, considering that Taylor last year, they benched him so he wouldn't get hurt. Right. So they wouldn't have to pay him. And then this year they benched him for Nathan Peterman in one game that Nathan Peterman threw five
3: interceptions. In a half, in a first half. Right.
2: So here's Tyrod Taylor, the guy that they don't want, as he's their best chance to to win a playoff game.
3: Well, it's, you know, look, it's funny how that stuff works out, but I mean, I think everybody in the league knows what Tyrod Taylor is and what he isn't. And believe me, Sean McDermott's been coaching a long time. He's got a, he's a defensive coach and a damn good one, and he understands... I'm sure exactly what Tyrod is, but you know what? You got to dance with the girl who brung you. <laughs> it
1: brings up a bigger quarterback question that we were we were discussing before you got here, which this January may shed some light on. Do you do you need that Hall of Fame type quarterback to get all the way through this tournament? Do you need Brady, Ben, or one of these NFC South guys, or can it? We've seen it done very rarely through NFL history, but maybe this is one of those years where we could see a team sneak through with a quarterback who doesn't have that pedigree.
3: Well, I think most people would probably feel at this point, guys, that the AFC will go through New England or Pittsburgh. I would think, mo- I mean, which doesn't mean it will. No, there would be it would be a, a shock, but if I if think one that of those teams was not was not but, absolutely right. So. Therefore, if we're, if we're taking that as somewhat of a given, then it won't be true on the AFC side because you have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. On the NFC side, with Carson Wentz getting hurt, the whole Philly thing is, is very much up in the air right now. So is it possible that, you know, I, I guess if you look at the AFC playoff teams, you've got Drew Brees, who'll be a Hall of Famer. NFC NFC, excuse me you have Matt Ryan who by the way in his first 10 years just has more passing yards than any quarterback in the history of the game in their first 10 just years just broke Peyton Manning just record. broke Peyton Manning and and Matt Ryan obviously lost a Super Bowl last year but I don't think Matt Ryan is thought of that way would you agree
1: He's on a trajectory, but but he has not thought of that way, I right. Would agree. Right,
3: right. And, and again, that's where you get into the Super Bowl, and and I'm not saying that that doesn't matter, but I think Matt Ryan's been a pretty darn good player in his yeah, it's career. It's
1: amazing because if he had won that game last year, he would be thought of very differently than he is right now. Changes everything.
3: Yeah. No question. He's got everything else. Yeah. No question. But, I mean, I, I guess if Matt Ryan were to get there or Drew Brees were to get there, we probably would say that, hey, really pretty darn good quarterbacks got there. The issue is, you know, the other guys. Well, Cam has been there. I don't know if that team is good enough. But, you know, you hit it right on the head with someone like Cam is there's a wild-cut factor with someone like Cam. I mean, there's, he's, he's a dangerous – if not consistent, he's dangerous. Well,
1: yeah, we've talked about this over the years. You and I have. That, yeah. All right, Cam, when you put on the tape, doesn't excite no. you as a pa- downfield passing quarterback no. the way the way a classic – Pocket quarterback passer does he just doesn't he, he does, misses as, too
3: many throws. He's
1: not as crisp in the downfield passing game. However, he can be a completely dominant force
3: on a fo, in, a, in, in a any g- game. in any given game. Any or game. he can be in an odd way almost a non-factor.
1: See, I would argue that 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 in a way frustrates someone like you who studies the tape. Very and tri- so. You're trying to 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 right. to draw conclusions for from things you are from the evidence you're seeing, and someone like Cam comes in, and he's basically a, a tornado. He can bust everything that everyone thought would right. be true because he can just be so physically dominant. Which is why that he wins a game.
3: Which is why, in in different ways, I'm. Um, going to be very anxious to see a lot of the college quarterbacks coming out this year. You know, I'm sure a lot of people saw the uh, Baker Mayfield play and have seen him all year. And, you know, another guy that where does he fit into this kind of equation? Because he's not going to be, for want of a better term right now, traditional or conventional. Right. um, The way we've often thought of the quarterback position. Right. You know, I think we've discussed that maybe 10, 15 years ago, Baker Mayfield might be a sixth round afterthought because no one would view that kind of quarterback as having value in the NFL. But that's clearly not going to be the case this year. He's likely to be a first round pick and could be a top 15 pick or a top 10 pick. But so Cam, in an odd way, they're totally different players, obviously. But in an odd way, Cam is very much the same because he's hard to evaluate in a sort of traditional, conventional way because he just misses too many throws from the pocket. Well,
0: you you talk to enough coaches, Greg. I mean, isn't it fair to say that there are some coaches who would would rather have a more consistent quarterback who maybe is even a little bit less talented or or dynamic because he knows what he can— a coach wants to know what he's going to get when a guy's out there on the field. He doesn't want to be surprised. For the
3: most part. For the most part, yes. I mean, I think coaches work the, the amount of time they do. Because they want execution to occur, not because they want randomness. But on the other hand, I've also talked to a bunch of people, both coaches and front office people, who l- love guys. I mean, I, I talked to p- people about Pat Mahomes. A little different because Mahomes is a ridiculously good thrower of the football, but he's also a random second reaction improvisational player, and a lot of them love that about him. They say you have to be able to do that now in the game. Now,
1: which Aaron Rodgers
3: is. Yes, Aaron Rodgers, I've always kind of described him as a jazz musician kind of yeah. player because there's so much improvisation to him. Sometimes you watch him and I feel like he's playing with us intentionally, like he's not going to throw the ball when it's there from the pocket because he just doesn't feel like it. Boy, how much you does know? it suck that
2: we don't have Aaron Rodgers in <laughs> yeah. the playoffs? What, just, or Carson Wentz. I'm not well, an Eagle stinks. fan, but...
1: It stinks we don't have Aaron Rodgers.
2: One question for you, if you were uh, had to put any sort of odds that Pat Mahomes would make an appearance this weekend.
3: Well, he's not going to start.
2: He's not going to start, but yeah. it, you think at, you know, Andy's collar gets a little bit tight and they're down by 10 at you half. You mean
3: if all of a sudden it's the third quarter and they scored six points? And
2: it's 20 to 10. Which has happened Titans. to that team this yeah. year. It's 17-6 case. Titans in the middle of the third quarter. Is Andy looking at, at Pat Mahomes? Good question. I'm, I'm shocked asking. by this question. Good. Oh, I like I, this Well, question. the
3: reason I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked is because I, my guess is, with no inside information, that once you trade up to draft Pat Mahomes, right. you've already made an organizational decision that he's your starter next year. Right or wrong, people can debate this, right. but I think they've made that organizational decision. And I think, therefore, it wouldn't surprise me.
2: Well, how did he look last week to He you?
3: looked pretty good. I watched his tape. I thought he looked pretty good.
1: What, what would happen if Alex Smith won the Super Bowl here?
3: That's, that's above my pay grade, Kaz. <laughs> All right, couple more <laughs> quick
1: hitters. Which of these eight teams has the, that we're going to see this weekend has the best chance of hoisting Lombardi? So we're taking out yeah. Pittsburgh and New England, and right we're they're not out, playing this weekend. Taking out the Eagles, who are obviously diminished. I think the most complete
3: the team throughout the season of the of the the gang of eight, as it were, has been the Saints. Right. Uh, they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. They've got a two-headed monster run game, and Kamara is just tremendous in the pass game. They have a defense that's far better than people think. Their their third-down defense has been really, really good, and most people view that as the money down. Uh, I think they're second or third in the league in third-down sacks. They have a number of defensive players no one knows about. I mean, people know about Cameron Jordan. He's a really good player. Uh, Lattimore has become a guy they use as a matchup shutdown corner. Right. Had a great matchup two weeks ago with Julio. Um, Julio had big numbers, but they weren't all against Lattimore because of scheme. But he had a really good matchup. They u- they've used Lattimore in that way, and he's done a pretty darn good job. Hard to do as a rookie corner. Yeah. Uh, so I would argue that they're the most complete team. Uh, so I, they're the team from this the gang of eight that I would look at as, as having the best shot
1: other quick hitters? Is there one unit in the trenches that could one of like, we don't look at the trenches. We don't look at offensive lines and defensive lines, but you know, you can have a team like the giants with their front four that beat the Patriots. Is there a unit in the trenches that could bull its way
3: into the Super bowl? Well, We obviously talked about Jacksonville, but let's say the Rams, because I don't think that the Falcons' O-line is is really good by any means. I think it's probably average at best by NFL standards. And while I really like their skill position players in Atlanta, I think that their O-line could have a very difficult time in this game, and that could shut down their offense to some degree. They've been very inconsistent running the ball this year, and... You know, with that group, we know about Donald, but they've got Quinn, who is ridiculous, and Brockers, who, you know, I remember interviewing Michael Brockers a few years ago at, at, at a draft, one of the few drafts I, I attended, and he is a huge, huge man. Yeah. And so he's really good, too. And, you know, Ogletree is a stud. So, I mean, I think that's, that's one unit matchup in the trenches that, that will be interesting to see this week. And they, they
0: just placed uh, their starting guard on injured reserve. Just today, Levitra. Levitra. So they'll
3: have a. So it'll be Ben Garland, the guy. Uh, uh, he's a military guy. I forget which school. Air Force, I believe.
2: That so, was the coolest stat that I saw this week. Well, the second coolest. But the second coolest stat I saw this week was that Wade Phillips has had eight jobs, and in every job he's been to, they made the playoffs in his first season. I saw that too. That's pretty. Well, that that's was pretty unbelievable. Now,
1: bonus points if you can name all eight. <laughs>
2: I'm not like, even, we won't <laughs> even <try. laughs> That was um, the, the second is, coolest
1: is there Are there any other injuries that we're not talking about and are maybe aren't even aware of that could play a major role this weekend and beyond?
3: Well, I, I don't know if he's ready this week. And then this, you know, I don't know if it's possible to check, you know, right now. But Kurt Coleman has not played the last couple of weeks for Carolina. Panthers, Panthers safety. And he's a really savvy, smart, aware player. And when he doesn't play, the drop-off is pretty significant. Now, see,
1: that's what I'm talking about. So Polly. I don't know if that's he's re- the kind of injury I'm talking so about. Don't Paulie don't Coleman.
3: I don't Kurt know Coleman. if he's if he's okay. You know, he might have been kept out this week just as a precaution, or maybe uh, I don't know what the well, extent of his well, injury is. You've given but us something. I believe to keep he's, our eyes he's on. missed the last two games.
0: So you've had a greater body of work to study when, when there's a divisional rematch in the playoffs. The Panthers and Saints have played twice. Yeah, we've this year. gone
3: through those two games pretty. Yeah, and at, Drew
2: Brees at, has, has thrown four touchdown passes, yeah. no interceptions. The they Panthers.
3: beat him twice, they and beat, Cam played
2: terrible against the Saints, right?
3: Yeah. The so Saints
2: what, put up 30 both times.
3: Right? I believe they did. So
1: what, how is this going to be any different?
0: Well, and you went back through it. You said both well, these games. What, what, what are you seeing new for the first time as, you, as you're going back through those two games?
3: Well, one of the things that's really interesting when you watch the Panthers' defense, I don't think any defense in the NFL plays out of their base, meaning they're 4-3 with three linebackers, Shaq Thompson, Luke Kuechly, Thomas Davis, versus three wide receivers as much as the Panthers because they really feel that Shaq Thompson is almost a hybrid linebacker safety and they line him up detached you know to, over the slot I mean but no team does what the Panthers do in terms of playing with all three linebackers against three wide receivers as much as the Panthers
1: well, Keekley's great dropping into coverage too Keekly's not against wide yeah.
3: I, I tell you the guy who to me is is ridiculously impressive is Thomas Davis guys had yeah. three ACLs he's in his early 30s, probably getting closer to his mid-30s, I, you know. Right. And he is still a really, really good player. Mm. So, but yeah, that's that's the kind of tactical stuff that we look for for the matchup show, you know, whether we make that a film piece, I don't know yet. But, I mean, it's, it's just an interesting thing that in this era where everybody is lining up in what they call sub-packages, five defensive backs, six defensive backs, some teams even seven at times, that the Panthers stay with three linebackers versus three wide receivers. So
1: while we're there, this week and throughout the postseason, you can find matchup. Is it Saturday mornings and Sunday you know, mornings? What are we doing? Once I feel a week? terrible
3: here because the times have all changed. That's all it's, right. Set your DVR. It's, it's all folks. Saturday morning now because yeah. we only do one show for, right. for the four, four games, so obviously we can't air Sunday morning. Right. So there's three airings Saturday morning. All right. And I just don't remember all the times because it just changed for this uh, that's week. That's
1: all right, folks. Set yeah. your DVRs when you wake up Saturday mornings. It'll be it'll be there just for you. Just look for
3: the you know NFL matchup, and you can find it, and, and then that, you can set it.
1: And that's Greg. That's Sal Pal, and, and that is Louis Lewis Riddick. Riddick. All right, yeah. bringing it to you. Follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Cosell,
0: and tune in next week to the NFL Films podcast when we'll have Greg here. We'll we'll uh, hold your feet to the fire, Greg, and see if what you uh, told us about wildcard weekend came true. And we'll get. Well, you're not
3: going to ask me to pick the games, are you? No, 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 no. No, No,
1: I
0: would hope you.
3: We have
1: not done any game picking. No, no. This has been high level stuff the whole (laughs) way.
0: If the presence or absence of Kurt Coleman. Plays a big role this weekend. We're gonna uh,
1: we're gonna bring that up and, this, and and applaud you, Greg. This podcast will catch fire. <laughs> I guarantee you, no one else is talking about.
0: Well, Greg well
3: like I said, he could be playing. I, I haven't checked yeah, that yet because yeah, we're doing this play. early in the week. But uh, he's he's a pretty good player.
0: We'll talk division. We'll talk Case Keenum and and uh, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles and those other yeah. two guys in New England and Pittsburgh our, next our, week
3: as well.
1: Our plan is to do this with Greg throughout the month.
3: I'm looking forward to talking Case Keenum.
1: Yes, that should be interesting. Next, Man. next, the plot only thickens from here, fellas. Yes, it does. All right, Paul Minusky, Um, We can watch the show
2: Saturday at eleven a.m. on ESPN the, two, the and then at two o'clock on ABC. Prime I, Real Estate. Prime Real Estate. I just had to want the best stat I heard this week because he mentioned Tyrod Taylor, who is the Virginia Tech all-time leader in quarterback rushing touchdowns.
0: First, season? I know. I, I, I. I it's great. I'm not going to say it's so great. Do
3: you know it? Well, it's obviously not going to be Michael Vick. Because it's not Tyrod Taylor, Taylor,
1: and it's not Michael Vick. It is a head coach who just don't re- give it away.
3: T- oh, t- oh, oh, Bruce Arians.
1: Away. Well, what, what are we going to do? Sit here and count down? Jeff, there. it's
2: Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians
3: holds the record, which I knew for that because I read his book this past summer.
2: Uh, that is the best stat that I saw this week. It was yeah. awesome. Great to this
3: day.
1: B A. He'll be missed. He maybe we'll he sure have. Will. Maybe he'll join us at NFL Films next year. You know we what? Get him on the I podcast. bet he'd like to. He, yeah. He's 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 a great guy. Yeah, he's he's awesome. All right, uh, Paulie. Anything else? Can't wait for these games, cause a lot to watch. January football is here. It sure is. Let's enjoy it. Hopefully, we get one game as good as that Rose Bowl was. Well,
3: I'm just happy that this week, now that we know what the weather is, it will likely be in KC. That weather will likely not be a factor okay, in these yeah. games. Okay, Let's
1: pick oh
0: that bone. What is your problem yeah. with cold weather like snow. games? Because I like to Craig? see the
3: athletes perform at their highest possible level.
0: But part of the competition is the in our sport is the um, the weather, the affected. venue, the weather, dealing with those unexpected levels of adversity.
3: I don't like it, Paul.
0: So you want a dome? You're a dome guy.
3: Yeah, I don't like it. All right. There you have it. He wants to see he I'm, wants I'm, to see I'm, the game I'm, and it's pure I'm, as a just. Call. I'm struggling with going out just to my car no. for uh, <laughs> for three minutes at the end of you know, when it's at nine o'clock tonight. I couldn't agree more. I mean, but it's not
0: me
1: out there playing. Well, so Greg wants a clinical environment. I went on the Dave Damashek podcast last week and and almost bakes basically got in an argument with Maurice Jones Drew about the Ice Bowl, and he was making the same argument. Football should not be played in those elements. And I said, yes, it should, and then went on to promise that I would play against him in Minnesota on February 3rd, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, which I now would like to publicly – um, renounce. Not, renounce. Renounce. <laughs> not, 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 doing it. not playing any football and it. it's ridiculous out here right now totally on the East
2: that. Coast. I'd love I'd love to do that.
3: Yeah, I uh, think today it's by the way, I uh, think it's minus 16 in uh, Minneapolis today. Yeah,
1: I know I've been checking every day. It's hard. Oh, have you? It's
3: horrible. You're even sicker than I am. Yeah, man. it's
1: disgusting. Do you Very think great. there were any
2: uh, Pittsburgh references between Kaz and Dave Damashek on the Dame? There were 10?
1: one there were one or two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hit it.
0: Thanks to our engineer, Steve Mosley, to our producer, Rich Owens, to Paul Minuski, the showrunner of Wild
1: Card Championship Chase, and to Greg Cosell, the senior producer and star of NFL Matchup on ESPN. Follow NFL Films
0: on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on our YouTube channel. On
1: all your favorite social media platforms. And you will see our shows everywhere this month. All your favorite networks. From the home of America's football movies in
0: Mount Laurel, New Jersey, I'm Paul. I'm Keith. Enjoy the wild card games, folks. Take care.